0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Flourishing with PTSD, a show designed to help normalize the conversation around all kinds of mental health and trauma to show that you are not alone in what you are going through. If this is your first time taking a chance on this podcast, I would like to personally welcome you. My name is Amanda, and I am a survivor of sexual abuse and PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disorder. I hope that you find some useful pieces in the show that help you relate, and maybe it'll help others in your life understand what you are going through. So I know that the last month and a half or so, it's been really slow with me releasing episodes and I apologize um, for going quiet for a while, but the reality is, I mentioned this in the last episode, that mental health struggles happen and I've been pretty down the last couple months or so and it's been really rough. So thank you for being patient with me, for reaching out to me. You guys seem to really fill in those blank spaces for me in my life and it's truly a beautiful experience Um, and even hearing your guys' struggles and then talking together about solutions just really inspires me. And then it makes me want to, um, work on my own life and figure out, okay, they're handling it like this. I want to do that. Or, you know, it's just, it will say triggers an amazing, uh, thought process for me. And I just really enjoy talking with you guys. So thank you so much. Um, and I find that as I personally continue to take care of myself when I need it, it makes it a lot easier to come back and record another episode for you because I want to bring you, um, information and my experiences as they happen, but I also have to make sure that I can um, handle it and make sure that I have self-care planned and it won't be too upsetting to me. So thank you so much for bearing with me. Um, I'm so happy to be talking to you guys today because this episode is another one of those that I have just been looking forward to, I think since before Christmas time, and it's finally here. But before I go any further, remember that I am not a medical professional in any way. I am just your friend, Amanda, who is trying to make a difference in this world when it comes to conversations around sexual assault, trauma, and overall mental health, and what it means to be living with PTSD. There may be something in here that's triggering for you in this episode, so as always, we will place a trigger warning and proceed with caution. So as I was saying before, I have been looking forward to this episode for quite a while. Today's topic is going to be focusing on triggers and triggers are things that it, it can impact all of us very differently. And I thought it might be a good idea to have another perspective on triggers because I am only one person with my own experiences, and I want to make sure that this podcast provides you with as many points of view and perspectives and examples as possible um, so that you guys can find something to relate to, because maybe you don't relate to mine, but you relate to someone else's. So that is why I am truly honored to have an amazing, (laughs) inspiring guest speaker with me today, and I'm so honored by their presence and Please tell us who you are and a little bit about your story as much as you're comfortable sharing. Oh,
1: that is so incredibly sweet. What a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Kelly Miller. I am the um, host and I run a site called Survivor Tribe. Uh, A little bit about my background. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I'm a survivor of emotional, sexual, and physical abuse. The um, emotional abuse continued for the vast majority of my life up until about a few years ago when I finally went no contact with my immediate family. Uh, The physical abuse stopped around, it was my entire life up until about the age of 16. And the sexual abuse happened within the family unit when I was five. And then I was sexually assaulted by two other people uh, once uh, I was either fourteen or fifteen. It was the summer I turned fifteen by a friend's father, and the other time was when I was nineteen and I was on a trip to Mexico, and it was my <laughs> cousin's boyfriend's friend who had done that. Um, yeah, I mean that's really the the gist of my my background. And what I'm comfortable sharing. Um, but now I have taken my experience and I'm parlaying it into a project to help other survivors heal.
0: That's amazing. I, I absolutely love that. And I'm so sorry for everything that you have been through, because obviously, like, you know that you didn't deserve that. And it's irritating that things like this can continue to happen. But I am so inspired by your bravery and your courage to share your story and turn it into something you know, that you can fight for and help others fight for and show an example of how, you know, we can work through and not just get over, but work through these experiences that can really make an impact on us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying that. I think that it's very important to point that out, especially for anyone who may be tuning in who is not a survivor, Um, you know, letting someone know that you are sorry for what happened to them and that you believe them. Those are all like very, very important things. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course. And in the recent year or so, I've been reading a lot on
0: PTSD and how some people are more likely to develop it or not. And there are so many factors and a lot of them, besides genetics, a lot of it actually has to do with our interactions with people as we disclose or immediately after. And I just think that that's so interesting that our support system and the people we come in contact with after our assault or even like during that time period really have a huge impact and a huge significance in whether or not we develop it and how we actually develop coping mechanisms. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, that reciprocation of, I'm sorry this happened and let's, you know, let's just talk about this and let's just be
1: in this moment is
0: really powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I am a survivor who was not believed when I came forward and not, not believed by my own family. So the impact of that was so incredibly traumatizing. So it was just trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. So it, it has been very pain, a very painful process to go through. Um, I'm in a much different place now than I was even a few years ago and in a much, much, much better place. Um, so I'm I can talk about it now, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you, you know, you're so right with that. Depending on the support that you get, it will impact how you deal with things moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you don't mind, and you can just say pass or you don't want to answer, um, but why do you think it is that people don't believe survivors? What do you think drives them to just be like, there's no way? Oh, I'm
1: so glad you asked me that question <laughs> because- that, um, I'm actually working on a project about this right now because it's been, um, uh, like I said, very impactful in my journey. And when I wasn't believed, I also wasn't in a space where I could talk with anyone who was comforting or understood what I was going through. So I was dealing with things in silence. Mm -hmm. So when you come forward, especially if you're coming forward to your family you know, and not being believed, the first thing that I did was start questioning myself. What was wrong with me? Like, did I lie to them before? Like what, you know, and there's this whole psychological manipulation that goes along with that. And for Mm -hmm. years and years and years, I blamed myself. And through my entire journey, I've done therapy, I've done all different types of healing modalities, but it really wasn't until I started talking with other survivors that I truly started to get to a place of healing. And the reason for that was when I started talking with them, I started to realize that I was not the only one that was not believed. And I was not, it had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. And as I started to hear these stories, and as I started to see consistencies and similarities across the board, I started to realize that we have a systematic problem here. And it is well beyond the individual. And I mean, that, this is happening in communities, in churches, in all different types of organizations where when people come forward and even children, who doesn't believe children? Exactly. Thank you. I mean, I can, and, and I'm not justifying anyone not being believed by any means, but with an adult, at least it's like, you know, we are capable of, um, you know, doing things that are not great. But Children are so innocent. So when a child comes forward, how do you not believe even a child? Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I think it's a, a systematic issue. I think it's a lot of powers that be wanting to suppress this and silence it. I think that that is mm-hmm. a big part of it. Um, I think there's a level of discomfort with the topic. Some people don't want to talk about it at all because it makes them so uncomfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also think that, you know, if we look at, like, let's look at the me too movement, for example, that's millions upon millions upon millions of people coming forward at once. And that is just, I feel like that's just a dent (laughs) in the amount of people out there. (laughs) You know, there are so many people who aren't comfortable coming forward. There are people that it's happening to now. Um, So I forget where I was going with this. I just had a brain fart in the middle of what I was saying. Um, But but I feel like, and this is one of the things I say about survivors all the time. It's like, you know, you've silenced us for so long that when we start talking, we just can't shut up. But sometimes that leads to rambling because of PTSD, right? Like that's also a PTSD symptom. Um, Oh, Yeah been there right every day Right, (laughs) it feels like (laughs) but um, but yeah I think it is it's very systematic and I think a lot of it has to do with people trying to silence and keep this under wraps oh where I was going with that was that you know when we look at the capacity of people who have come forward and there's so many people who haven't I think that there is also an element of that where the person you're coming forward to may have experienced that themselves and maybe they're not ready to deal with their own stuff. And, Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And that was, it took me a very long time to get there because then we can get into a topic like ancestral trauma. You know, if, if this happens Mm -hmm. within the family unit, most likely the person who did it to you was probably abused as well. And that goes back, um, you know, ancestor to ancestor to ancestor. So Um, you know, that, that could also be um, a factor.
0: Yeah, no, you're totally, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. That's a great, great point. And that's something that is really easy to forget, you know? Um, So I'm really glad that you said that. Um, And I think that it's also just, like you said, people are uncomfortable. People don't want to recognize the size of this problem and how significant it is. Um, And that's just something that, you know, we're going to have to change with time. I know that you and I were talking about the Harvey Weinstein case a little Mm. bit, you know, this past week as the verdict was coming out and the jury was deliberating and we were talking a little bit about how we were doing. And I know that I was a little nervous and kind of on edge waiting. And uh, I'm not sure what your experience was, but when those, when that verdict came back, I was, you know, like part of me was disappointed, but I think the majority of me was honestly so Empowered and relieved and encouraged because, you know, there was a win in yeah. there. Yeah, and that's something that needs to be celebrated because there have been countless of countless of cases before that where they get to
1: walk away. Absolutely, so, and he's in jail, and that I think exactly. at the end he's going yes. to jail, and at the end or he is already in jail. But at the end of the day, like that is the most important thing. I think for me though, it was more um, it was more of a roller coaster. It was the anxiety leading up to it but also Mm -hmm. the pessimism leading up to it just because of the history of how these things have been out. Um, the conviction made me feel empowered. It was like, yes, a win for us. A win. Yes. Um, because he wasn't convicted on all charges, but someone had also brought up a really good point to me that we cannot accept just, um, what's the phrase like peanuts or, or like, um, We, it's almost like we're accepting these little wins, but we have a long road ahead of us that we have to keep fighting because, you know, even though he was convicted on two charges, there are 80 women that came forward that Mm -hmm. not all of them have seen justice. And that's enough for me to, to want to keep fighting for it.
0: Absolutely. And just
1: a huge shout out to
0: all of those brave and amazing women who did take the stand and who did come forward to, you know, push this trial into motion and give it, you know, the momentum that it needed. And I'm so sorry for those who have not yet gotten the justice, whether it's related to the Weinstein case or in your own individual life, because, you know, while this was a win, it does bring up a lot for all of us, I think, maybe wishing why. Why didn't I get this? Why can't I have this? Maybe I should pursue this. So I just want to recognize you all in your strength and your, um, just your thoughtfulness during this process, because, you know, like Kelly said, this, this can be a huge roller coaster ride and we do have a long way, a long way to go, but baby steps. And we, if we don't celebrate them along the way, we're going to get lost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we jump into the topic? Um, We are going to talk about triggers today. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what triggers
1: are and what they look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to, I looked up the the actual definition because I wanted to give Mm -hmm. an exact definition online and that is to cause an intense and usually negative emotional reaction in someone. Um, Triggers can happen. And you even said this earlier, triggers can happen with someone who has experienced trauma, someone who has anxiety, depression, it can happen to a number of people. Um, and that looks different to everyone. I think that that's something really important to, to point out. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that there's definitely trigger consistencies at large in, in terms of the, mm-hmm. um, the larger group. Uh, a good example of that is if you are someone who has experienced rape, if you go to a movie and there is a rape scene in the movie and you were not aware of that going into the movie, you could get triggered. And I think that that's a pretty uh, big, big consistency across the board, mm-hmm. but then it could come yeah. down to your individual experience and, you know, what exactly happened to you, where, where your triggers will happen. Um, for me, they happen differently in terms of emotional abuse. They happen differently for physical and they also happen differently for sexual. So they're like on the emotional side, if I am or in the emotional abuse side, if I feel that in conversation I'm being invalidated or I'm not feeling seen or heard, that can be a trigger for me it, or manipulated or gas, or someone's gaslighting me. Those are all very big triggers for me on the emotional side. On the uh, physical side, there was a lot of um, shouting and screaming and obviously like physical contact as well. But I will say that loud noise is a huge trigger Mm. for me. And it doesn't matter what the noise is. It could be a baby crying and I will still get triggered, right? An innocent little baby. Um, It's more of the level, the volume level that will trigger me. Uh, cause that, that triggers in my brain that doom is, is pending. Um, <laughs> yeah. and then on the sexual side, um, those mostly happen within, um, sexual relationships. If someone, if I'm in bed with someone and they touch me in the same way or the position is the same way, you know, anything like that, mm-hmm. it, it, that can be a trigger for me. Um, but yeah, they, they look different to, to everyone. How about you? What are some of, of yours?
0: yeah um I would say a lot of mine so specific like touch is a big one for me I don't like it when anyone touches me um really and it's interesting because my cousin said in in a very innocent conversation and she was very um she she said I hope this is okay that I say this like this and I said it's okay like go for it and she said you're almost you know like autistic when it comes to people touching you wow and I said yeah that's because of this you know like um in a past relationship that I had, uh, holding was like with your fingers interlocked was or intertwined was really hard for me because I felt like they were holding on to me and I was like I can't get away, mm-hmm. I can't you know I can't escape and I'm trapped because part of that abuse was um, being grabbed around my arm or my wrist and I wasn't able to escape, I wasn't able to leave. Um, another one is um, you know um, smelling Carmax chapstick. Wow. I can't smell it. I feel very sick because the night that I was uh, attacked, he was wearing it. I I mean, I don't know how much he must've been wearing, but there was enough on there to where I could smell it on his lips. And I just can't, I can't do it. Like I told my family, I was like, please do not buy this because I also associate that smell with just the look of the container of the chopsticks so I just I'm like please just don't have this and they've all been super honorary and like respectful That's awesome. of that which yeah is amazing and um, when I do get triggered it lasts like I mean it depends on the trigger but I would say that it can last anywhere from multiple days if like to like a series of hours. Like it just really yeah. depends. Do you experience that yeah, as well? That's a
1: really great point. Um, it depends, right? So sometimes it'll be, um, like 15 minutes and I'll come to, and I'm like, okay, I know exactly what that was. But if I'm in a scenario where I have to interact with family members and not even those family members that I'm speaking of, but any family mm-hmm. members, it brings up a lot of memories of the past. And I may like I maybe like effed up for a couple of weeks after that. Um, yeah. I've gotten a lot better though at not spiraling. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, for a while it would it would be really bad. Depression would be really bad. I couldn't get out of bed and things like that. Now I can I can function. I just don't feel good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even like what you said about the the chapstick. That's a great example of. A specific trigger. You know, I think that some Mm -hmm. people get in their heads that triggers look the same, not, not survivors, but people who are not trauma informed. Um, I Mm -hmm. think that they can think that, Oh, you know, you just, I think an obvious one would be like a rape scene in a movie or something like that. And and maybe people can identify that as something that would be triggering, but they don't understand that it is that specific. Um, but that's a a really great example of that.
0: Yeah. And also, so you mentioned the term gaslighting, and I know that that's something that not everyone understands or knows the definition of that. So would you just quickly either give an example of gaslighting or um, a definition of that so that listeners can
1: understand what that means? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll try to do it justice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) I appreciate your support (laughs) on so many levels. Um, But (laughs) gaslighting is when you are, I'll use an example. So if you're expressing, if I came to you and I said, hey, Amanda, um, you know, what you said to me the other day was really hurtful. A good example of that would be you saying, I didn't say that. That never happened. I'm not capable of that. That's, it's basically denying that person's experience in order to make them feel like they're crazy in a way and have them question themselves. And it's kind of a way to gain control over that person because then that person starts to question, again, they start to question their own sanity. And did I really see that? Did I really, did that really happen? Um, And, and it's a huge, huge problem now. And I feel like it just keeps getting worse. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. That was a really good example. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to read a little excerpt here from uh, webmd.com. And I, I always laugh at myself when I take information from here because you know, you always hear stories of like, oh, <laughs> you know, if you want to find out all of your symptoms, like go to WebMD and yeah. like Google and you'll find out like <laughs> there's three days left Exactly. Tell everyone anytime every someone's like, I think this is going. I'm like, don't go on WebMD. <laughs> don't go to WebMD. <laughs> I know, it's so funny. But I did find something on there that I really did relate to and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Sure. So, um, and listeners, I really encourage you to just think about this yourselves as well and just how does this resonate with you? So again, this came from webmd, W-E-B-M-D.com. So it says, certain triggers can set off your PTSD. They bring back strong memories. You may feel like you're living through it all over again. Triggers can include sights, sounds, smells, or thoughts that remind you of that traumatic event in some way. Some PTSD triggers are obvious, such as seeing a news report of an assault. Others are less clear. For example, if you are attacked on a sunny day, uh, seeing a bright blue sky might make you upset. Knowing your triggers can help you better cope with your PTSD. And with PTSD, your brain doesn't process the trauma right away. It doesn't file the memory of the event as being in the past. The result is that you feel stressed and frightened even when you know you're safe. And some causes might be people, thoughts, and emotions objects, smells, places, TV shows, news reports, movies, feelings, or sensations, sounds, tastes, situations, anniversaries, etc. This came from WebMD, and I will put the link for that in the details for this episode. So Kelly, what were some things that stood out for you when you heard these?
1: Um, I think memories of uh, certain experiences that I've had with triggers. Um, Mm. I think, and then like just going back to that clear blue sky comment, I can't even imagine that being a trigger that just is so, yeah. um, like r- ripping that, ripping that beautiful experience away from someone is just, uh, I, am sorry, like going off on the rails there. Um, <laughs> but I think <laughs> about different experiences that I've had with triggers and I'm still learning what my triggers are. So, I mean, I've been mm. on this journey for a really long time now. And um it, it's something it, I learned something new every single day. Um one uh, one example that I wanted to share is um and this actually happened with another survivor in the community who I've interviewed before. And oh man, <laughs> yes. oh no. Um luckily when it happens with another survivor, they're able to take a step back and say, okay, I think this might be a trigger. They may not say that to you, but they can identify that themselves and be a little bit more compassion or be able to offer compassion because they get it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But one morning I woke up and I went onto Twitter and one of the survivors that I interviewed posted something. And I don't even, to this day, don't know what it was about that particular tweet that just... Set an alarm off in my head and it made me think that he was talking about me. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Oh my God. Like, what? Why would he say that? And I'm like, oh my God. My, like, my feelings were so hurt. And I was just like, had this immediate reaction. And I went and I deleted him on social media. Like, oh, wow. I know. I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, F this. I'm just going to get in the shower. I need to get grounded. So I get in the shower and not even a couple of minutes into the shower. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> effed up <laughs> like, oh, man. Time. and <laughs> I hopped out of the shower and I texted him immediately. I'm like, maybe I can like catch him before he realizes I did this. And I texted mm. him and I just, I said, this is exactly what was happening. And I think that this is a good point too, is being honest about your triggers and not Um, assuming that someone knows that it's happening or expecting them to know that it's happening. I think it's really important when you do come to and you do realize it to say, hey, this is exactly what was happening. I'm sorry that I did that. You did not deserve it. But this is why it happened. And that's exactly what I did. And he first responded with, lol, you deleted me. (laughs) I was like I know I know I'm mortified and he was oh my god so compassionate and so kind and he was even like hey don't worry about it I've done worse things on social media in the midst of a trigger and oh bless his heart exactly that's so so kind. his compassion in that moment was just it was so eye-opening to me and it was so accepting and it made me feel like less of a freak Right. Like, yeah. oh, wow. Like this person got it. And not only did he get it, but he was kind about it and he didn't take it personally. Um, but I think that that's really all we can do in those moments is it's very important. If you do take your trigger out on someone, it is very important to own that because if you don't, you will start to demolish relationships. Totally. Right. That is so real.
0: Yes, absolutely. I know that I struggle a lot with that um, because, you know, like with my dad, we will have conversations and he will say something that he didn't necessarily, you know, mean or like direct at me, but then I'm just like, whoa, okay. You, like you said, like the alarms are going off. I don't feel good about this anymore. And you just suddenly feel triggered. And then it's like, oh my gosh, now I'm just not going to talk to you and then i'll just like stop talking or maybe i'll even make a weird face and then i'll just leave and you know my spectacularly dramatic fashion sometimes <laughs> <laughs> And I'll just, you know, go upstairs to my room and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like be mad and I'm just going to do my thing. And then, you know, eventually I'll like calm down. And then I'm like, he has no idea I'm up here. He has no idea that like, (laughs) he actually upset me. (laughs) Yeah. So, cause sometimes I expect him, I'm like, he's going to come up here and he will apologize and he will do this. And I'm just like, yeah, he has no idea that this is how I feel. And to this day, like, I still don't like have that communication, but you're so right. Like having... That communication with somebody and letting them know that how they, you know, their actions may have impacted you not to be like, Hey, like, don't do this. But it's just like, this is how this experience made me feel. And this is how I received that. And then maybe talking about how you can move forward so that you get to keep that relationship, let them into your world a little bit to find some common ground and then figure out how to work forward and make sure that that's a healthy relationship is
1: huge. Like you
0: just, you nailed that. Yeah.
1: And I think that anyone who loves and wants to support you, they're going to be mindful of it. We just can't expect them to know everything. And it comes down to like the education piece of it. You know, there is such a lack of education around what triggers are and how they happen. Um, and, and I know that a lot of survivors won't feel this way. And I totally respect that. But I do feel that it's part of my responsibility to help educate on that, especially with my loved ones who want to be supportive. So, you know, yeah. if you tell someone like, hey, this particular thing triggers me in this way, if they're loving and kind and supportive of you, they're going to take that into consideration, you know? Yeah, that's,
0: that's so true. And I totally resonate with what you said about, you know, like, it's a, it feels like a responsibility to educate others. And that's so true because I feel like I'm a very empathetic person to others. And so I don't want other people to experience, you know, maybe a lack of belief or, um, someone's lack of education causing destruction in my Mm -hmm. life. And so I'm a huge advocate. Like, that's why I started this podcast was I need people to know I don't need people to continue to walk around and think that this problem can just be swept under the rug and that this doesn't actually happen. And I saw this, I see this quote often on lots of pictures and, you know, things like that. And it just says, you know, it's amazing how I know, you know, what, like I have all these friends who have um, survived sexual assault, but no one seems to know a rapist. Yes. Oh
1: my gosh. I just saw that the other day. That is
0: Yeah. And I'm just like, Ooh, Oh, oh that's yes. so good because that's so true. And it's just like, we need to acknowledge the problem. And that's why, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, you have your YouTube channel and your Instagram and survivor Time, And why I have flourishing with PTSD is because
1: we've got to get it
0: out there. And that's why we're here. Yeah, And
1: I think that like, it's not just about us helping each other and helping each other heal. It is a part education as well. Like we need to educate other people so they know how to best work with us as we're going through this journey.
0: And I I had someone ask me, and I want to know what you would say, because I was struggling to find words a little bit because it really depends on the survivor. But I did have someone ask me, why is it the job of the survivor to educate other people on how they should treat people who have been
1: victims of sexual assault? Yeah, and I was like, ooh. So what would, what would you say? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, 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 I get that. And I have felt that way at certain times. Um, but I've also, on the other end of that, I did an interview with a survivor ally. And he, he said something along the lines of, you know, we can't leave it up to the survivor to always educate us. If we love someone who is a survivor, we need to take part of that responsibility on ourselves. And I was like, holy crap. I never thought about it that way. Here I am always trying to explain myself and like trying to educate people. And it's exhausting. So I get that. I get that someone feels that way. And if you feel that way, that's totally fine. And I respect that. But I do, I I personally feel for me that it is part of my responsibility because I want to see change in the world. I don't want to sit, I don't want to sit and expect everyone around me to change you know, cause then you're, you're putting the onus on everyone else and you're not taking any responsibility for, you know, how you can contribute. So my mm-hmm. personal opinion is that, and again, it's just for me, I can only make that decision for myself and I respect how other survivors feel. But for me, I do feel that it's part of my duty to educate, but I also don't want to be the only one educating. Like if you love me and you care about me and you care about my well-being you should be trying to learn yourself because i do that if i have a friend that has an illness or something happens to them i want to be educated on it i want to learn what's going on with them and how how i can help i think that's a natural mm-hmm. instinct when you love someone but i also think that it can be a natural instinct sometimes for survivors to take on the full responsibility and that's not okay either
0: yeah I totally agree, and I had similar feelings to you. I felt like you know it the effort because it's so hard for you know like you said like supporter allies to understand if they have not been through it, and so that emotional piece can't be learned yeah it's it or sorry, it can't be taught it's gained through the experience of being abused in one way or another, and that part definitely falls on us, whether we like it or not. I feel Mm -hmm. that at least conveying how it affects us emotionally, that, that is our part. And because everything else is pretty factual and you can Google it, you can, you know, find resources like this podcast or your YouTube channel to understand, you know, rape myths or, um, what should you do after, um, being assaulted? Or what do you do when someone discloses an assault yes. to you? You know, like, what do you do? What are these steps? And, um, but I do think that it, the, I view it for in my own life and everyone can proportion it out differently, but I give it about a 70, 30. Um, I'm giving 70% of the effort and being like, okay, this is, you know, what this is. And I give every opportunity or I take every opportunity I can to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. But that other 30% relies on, first of all, them listening. Yes. And then taking in what I'm saying, not because I am the end all expert, but because I have my own experience that can hopefully enlighten them about a part of this huge epidemic of, you know, sexual assault coming to light and how we're supposed to deal with it. And, um, and then how are they going to carry on the rest of, how they act in public and around people and how are they going to respect other survivors and honor their experience and hopefully become a supporter or an ally of you know
1: a, a survivor yeah you know what else i'd really like to see in the space i would really <laughs> like to see medical professionals stepping up to the plate because oh yeah right <laughs> yes Yes. Yes, yes, yes. One thing that I didn't understand for a very, very long time was that I knew that I had emotional reactions. I didn't know that there were physical things happening within my brain. And I think that that Mm. is so important. That educational piece is so important for people to know, because I think a lot of times people will look at survivors and if they're acting erratically, which is completely justified they are yeah. looking at them like, oh, they're an emotional wreck. And what they don't understand is that th- this is a physical thing that is happening in their brain. And mm-hmm. I think that is very important for people to know because I think that if they knew that, they, could, they would see it less as, oh, they're just crazy. Do you know what yeah. I mean?
0: I totally do. It's like that whole concept of, you know, trauma is not a mental illness. It's a brain injury. Yes, yes. And you know, because it does, it changes the chemical reactions in our brains. It actually changes what is happening. So I'm so glad that you said that because I've posted that I think once on um, Instagram, but I don't think I ever brought that to this podcast. I'm so, so glad that you said that. Yeah.
1: Actually the survivor I was talking about earlier, he, um, he also works in the space. Um, and he talks about the trauma brain all the time. I've learned so much from him. I'll send over if oh, you want to awesome. like in your notes or anything, credit him, I'll, I'll send over his info too. He's really great. Yeah.
0: I would love that. I'm always looking for, you know, more and more people to add to, you know, what I'm looking at in the content because that's, you know, wherever I can learn it, I'll yeah, learn it.
1: Same, same. That's how so, we get to healing. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I find so much resilience when I learn more because then I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Here's the reason why I do this. And then I can find a solution if there is one to be like, okay this is how I'm going to combat that. Like I'm coping with it now, Mm -hmm. but how am I going to move forward? And that's a very like baby step process because if you, you know, bite off more than you can chew, you're just going to get overwhelmed. You're just going to be like, ah, I can't do this anymore. So we want to be very careful about how much we take on and
1: everything. It's also so So... empowering too, because again, going back to those types of crazy comments where, you know, those are slung at survivors all the time because of, you know, how they may be behaving. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I think that that's, it's super important.
0: Yeah. And I mean, words like that, you know, like being called crazy or dramatic for like how I feel about about something. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you might as well have like, you know, erupted a volcano in here because I am like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Like you should see what's happening behind my eyes right now. I'm like, (laughs) you're about to see crazy. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just like, you, you want to see crazy. I can give you crazy like bring You're it on. triggering
1: <laughs> crazy in me right now by saying exactly
0: that. <laughs> yes so I like that's a huge thing for me and anytime that someone's like stop being dramatic I'm like seriously <laughs> are you are you kidding me <laughs> right now <laughs> so yeah oh that's just yeah talk about okay. triggering um so do you have any other examples of when you have been triggered maybe different kinds of triggers in your life, let's do some some story time. Yes,
1: absolutely. And it kind of goes back to that education piece. And it was very, it was a very eye opening event for me. Um, it was I, I was going into work one morning, and I had a, I was already in a pretty bad headspace. Um, you know, as survivors, mm. that happens. You know, some days you wake <laughs> up and you feel amazing, and other days you wake up and you feel like crap. Um, and yes. It happens to be one of those days. And the day prior, the team that I was working on, uh, we were all, you know, like friends and we got along really well and they were a great team and something silly happened where, and I didn't even care about it. It was a completely irrelevant thing, but like something happened where I was accidentally left out of something and I didn't even think Mm. about it. And the next day that I came in, when I was already in this bad headspace, the uh, person on my team who had accidentally left me out Was like, I'm so sorry. Well, He was the sweetest, kindest person. And he was like, oh, "Oh, I'm so sorry. But I think because he thought in his head we're friends, he went in for a hug. And I was already in a bad headspace. And I put my hands up and I said, this is inappropriate. And he still hugged me. (gasps) And I lost it. I didn't lose it in front of the crowd, but I pulled him aside. And I was actually very proud of myself because it was the first time I had sat someone down and said, this was not okay. And this is why. And I was in the midst of the trigger. So like anxiety and I was shaking, but I was still able wow. to articulate it in some, uh, by some miracle of God or, <laughs> or whatever. I have no <laughs> idea. Cause usually if I'm in trigger mode, I'm, I'm not functional in a good way or a healthy way. Um, but I sat him yeah. down and I was like, look, it, you know, this is why, and I, I didn't tell him my experience. I didn't feel comfortable doing that, but I just said, mm-hmm. you never know where someone is in their life. And he was mm-hmm. so kind and so considerate and he listened and and he got it. But because oh. it's post me Too error and there's this um, stigma floating around with like, you know, people are out to get men, you know, oh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I understand. And I don't think that about him, but I think for his own protection, he went to HR to say like, look, this is what happened because he didn't know oh, wow. what headspace I was in or what I was capable of, or what I was going to do. I didn't even go to HR because I didn't feel that it was sexual in nature. I didn't feel like he was trying to wield power over me. I felt like he was genuinely trying to be kind. But I had to tell mm-hmm. them, just don't touch people. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, yeah. But after that, and it could have been my own perception of things, I felt like my interactions with people at the company got a little weird after that. Like I was kind of oh, looked wow. at as a troublemaker or I was looked at as someone who was capable of falsely reporting someone about something. You know, I, I felt like I kind of oh, had boy. that stigma behind me. And it was really uncomfortable. And I think it goes back to that education piece. If people understood how triggers actually work, they wouldn't look at it that way. They would say, oh, trauma. Okay. She was triggered. She handled that respectfully. He handled that respectfully. It's fine. I yeah. should, I don't have to be worried around her. And that's kind of the impression that I got is that people were then worried about how I was going to be or what I was going to do to them or Or something along those lines. But again, it could have been my own perception because I was really, I was really embarrassed, you know, after that happened. But I was lucky that the person that was on the receiving end of that was a very kind-hearted person that did want to listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wish that, yeah. Again, you just totally hit the nail on the head. I really wish that there was more education. Instead of looking at, like, the surface-level problem, it's like, okay – What led to that? Mm -hmm. Why, like, why do I think that this situation happened? Because it's okay. The thing is, is that it is okay to react to something. Absolutely. And then, and then you did an amazing job of actually like articulating what the problem was to the person that it needed to be articulated to instead of like, you know, sometimes there are issues when you go to someone else and you're like, can you believe this? It's like, you just, went for it and you had that conversation with the person that needed to hear it and he was able to be responsive to that conversation and hopefully that resolved you know the conflict the potential future conflict between you know those kinds of interactions and um I'm really bummed that everyone else that was either like a witness to this or was you know in the vicinity is now kind of a little on edge around interacting with yeah. you that's kind of and I felt like
1: he he was a little bit too I think that he was and I don't I mean I, that again is my perception I mean it could have been something where maybe he just felt bad and he didn't know how yeah. to act around me after that and I really I, I will take full responsibility for not trying to open that door again to maybe have a calmer conversation um you know maybe a couple of weeks down the road to be like hey don't hold this against you and it's not it doesn't need to be weird you know, I, I, I take yeah. responsibility for not doing that. And maybe I should have done that. Maybe it could have made it a little bit more comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never yeah. know. Right. So, but yeah, no, that's awesome. I know that one time, um, a recent, uh, like this happened last year. Um, I was at, um, a symphony performance with my dad and, um, some of his, like his really best friend, his wife. And then I was sitting separately with their son and he's amazing. He's one of my best friends. And we were sitting together and our parents were sitting um, somewhere else in the, in the theater. And there was this other person who sat on the other side of me uh, while I was sitting next to their son on the, who was on the other side of me. And he just thought it would be okay to like touch my leg and like talk to me and like just kind of had some weird body language Mm. interaction that I was very uncomfortable with, and I found out throughout the evening that he was getting more and more intoxicated. Oh, okay, <laughs> and I got very uncomfortable. And by the end of that symphony performance, we like we met up with our parents, and I think I had this like really weird look on my face because they're like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "We need to leave, like right now. We need to leave because there was also a lot of people walking around, so I got very yeah. uncomfortable. So. We went back to the house and I just ran upstairs before they could talk to me because I didn't want to talk about it. I was like, I just need to deal with this. And I turned on my, you know, survivor playlist. And I was like, okay, like, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to go through the feelings and then I'm going to get back to it. And I finally got to a point where I could go down and be like with them again. And we were like having a good evening. And then there came a point where she was like, where um, my dad's best friend's wife was like, do you need to talk about it? And so we talked about it and it was amazing. Cause I could get it out instead of holding oh, on. To I love it, that. You know? And she was really yeah. supportive and she was, she's one of those most genuine people you will ever meet. And so is her husband. I mean, they're great people. And that really taught me so much about who I can trust and why I risk trusting people because finding that, um, interaction and letting them hear me and just letting me talk was
1: probably the most beneficial thing about, the healing process. I love that you just said that, that, that it's a risk because it is a risk in trusting people after an assault or after abuse, you know, and that's mm-hmm. very brave to put yourself out there like that. So kudos to yeah. you for, for sitting down and having that conversation. Thank you. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was definitely scary, but I'm
0: so glad that I did it. So we are getting short on time. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where we can find you on, um, all of your social media and some of the things that you are working on. I know that you mentioned it earlier, but let's bring it up again. because I love
1: talking about Survivor (laughs) Tribe. (laughs) Um, Yay! Me too. (laughs) So yeah, so I, I created Survivor, I started Survivor Tribe about a year ago and it was because of my own experiences. In fact, it was not too long after that trigger experience that I told you about. And I got to a point where I was so frustrated as a survivor for not having the resources that I need, for not having the support that I need. Um, Even the friends that I love and, and love me, like they couldn't even support me in the way that I needed, And I didn't know how to articulate it. So I wanted to create something along those lines for survivors and also with the education piece to it. So I started Survivor Tribe last year, I think it was in January or February, and it's a community support system that has a strong focus on healing for survivors of abuse and assault. And what we do is we work with survivors to help them gain the confidence to find their voice again, to help them learn how to speak out if that's what they want, of course, um, we mm-hmm. teach them different healing modalities, um, but they're learning from other survivors, right? So yeah. we bring survivors onto the show. We interview them about their healing journey, ask them questions. And, you know, the, the piece there, the most important piece there is that when we were ch- chatting about this earlier, you know, we are only one survivor perspective, So, the goal with Mm -hmm. that is to, you know, I want this to be as inclusive as possible. So, interviewing people from all walks of life. So, if someone comes to Survivor Tribe, they can find someone that they identify with and they're like, I want to hear that person's experience. Because while there are consistencies in all of our experiences, there are going to be different factors that are going to affect that, you know, whether that's Race or religion or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, if mm-hmm. they're LGBTQ, you know, there's so many different factors that play in it into it. So I want everyone to feel comfortable coming to Survivor Tribe and finding someone that they can identify with. Um, and we also give them the opportunity to connect with and be supported by other survivors, um, which has been the biggest part of my healing journey. Right? <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel like I didn't get to a good place of healing until I started meeting and identifying with other people who have had the same experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, if you're not a survivor, we um, provide the education on what it's like to be a survivor and also teach you how to best support us in our journey. Um,
0: That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love Survivor Tribe. As soon as, you know, we are connected. I've just been all about it. You guys have heard me talk about it on other episodes. So make sure that you guys... Go find Kelly at Survivor Tribe on Instagram and find her on YouTube because her videos truly talk about things from, you know, points of survivors and from her herself that maybe other people don't talk about, but you're still curious about. This is how you Thank do you. I didn't
1: know that you were talking so. about it. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. And, yeah. And if you guys, so, I mean, if you guys I'm didn't interested. know, Amanda was in one of my videos too. Um, yeah. Which is actually the, my favorite video that I've created so far. Um, but I'm actually creating, I'm working on a project right now that's similar in nature to that one where I'm working with a number of survivors. Uh, now it's four people, maybe five in the final, um, product, but we are mm-hmm. creating a video that is going to be an education piece on, uh, why survivors are not believed. And, um, You know, the survivors are coming on, they're talking about their stories and in terms of what, or, you know, what happened when they weren't believed. And then we go through a series of questions and I'm creating this in kind of like a montage in the same way that we did the the PSA.
0: Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm
1: very excited about that. And, um, if you guys do want to check out Survivor Tribe, um, you can just search Survivor Tribe, all one word on YouTube. Uh, that's where the, the crux of the content is. Uh, we're on Twitter at Survivor Tribe One, Facebook uh, it's just Survivor Tribe all one word, and Instagram the Survivor Tribe all one word. Uh, I wasn't able to get all of my handles cons- you know consistent across the board because some <laughs> of them were taken, <laughs> which it oh, makes man. my uh, my uh, perfectionism <laughs>
0: go off the charts. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for being vulnerable with us and sharing your experiences because every perspective matters and it just helps hopefully everyone here on the show to um, relate and know that they are not alone because none of us are alone because this is widespread, unfortunately, but You are not alone out there, guys. You have us. We love to hear from survivors all the time. So please message us. You know, if you are interested in being in any of Kelly's videos, hit her up on Survivor Tribe because she really does have the best, you know, communication. She respects you and what you want to say and what you don't want to say. And even if you just want a conversation, like, you know, we're open. Thank you
1: so much for having me on. I appreciate it so much. And I love what you're doing in the space, too. And I love that we're all working together and I just feel like we're in the midst of a lot of change and it's so exciting. I just got goosebumps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Oh my gosh. So yes, I I absolutely love what I do and obviously it's important to take breaks, but I do feel very inspired and we're just going to keep flourishing with PTSD as we do, you know? (laughs) So awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on. Um, I will provide the link to the WebMD article in the details for this episode. Have a great week, everybody, and we will all talk soon. Bye. All right. Bye.